It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Faster my crazy day. My pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine, and we are just two days away from the NFL draft. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, and Audioboom.com. A lot to get to. You're going to hear from Dave Lapham on tomorrow's show, and uh, a ton between now and the draft, and then draft reactions. Joe Goodberry is going to join us on Friday to recap round one. And then to preview rounds two and three. And speaking of Joe Goodberry, he's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, and he joins us now as he has all off season to talk draft. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm so excited. <laughs> you said that <laughs> monotone, but I think you are excited. The time's here. I no, that's me being excited. Really. Wow, that's interesting. That's, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I was excited about over the weekend. And I, I saw this report, and Tony Pauline was the one who reported it. And he basically said that the Bengals have given wide receiver John Ross a clean bill of health and that the front office feels, and I'm looking at the quote right now, quote, uh, the front office believes the addition of Ross to an offense that presently boasts A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Eifert as well as recently signed Brandon LaFell, could make them unstoppable on that side of the ball. And, and I instantly reacted with, well, if they feel that John Ross is the, the difference between 20 points or less and nine losses in 2016 and unstoppable on offense, I'll take unstoppable, pick John Ross. Yeah, and the big thing about that is the clean bill of health. And you don't get that until late in the process because a lot of these guys have to go for workouts, see team doctors. They'll do it at the at the combine, but that's more of a general thing. And they may have combine rechecks also, plus Ross had surgery after the combine. So it may have just been, like Pauline reported, that he just got a clean bill of health. And we've talked about Ross a lot and how dynamic he is and how electric he is and how perfect he would be outside of, on the opposite side of A.J. Green. Hearing this now, and people may say, oh, well, this is late news or maybe a smokescreen. I believe it because, I, like I said, I think this information comes out when he gets that clean bill of health, which may only be a couple weeks before the draft, like we've just seen. Uh, yeah, if he's there at nine and they believe that he's that big of an impact, that big of a difference maker, and that he is healthy and they trust the, the previous surgeries and injuries he's had, uh, I see a scenario where he can be the pick at nine, and that's very exciting. Joe, I, I pulled audio from Dave Lapham last year, and he was talking about the receivers in that class. And he had Will Fuller and Josh Doxson and Corey Coleman. Those were the three the Bengals 
targeted or, or were interested in in round one. I don't think much has changed from then to now as far as needing a deep threat, getting a guy downfield. I look at John Ross, and I feel like he's a mixture of a couple of them. He's, he's Will Fuller and Corey Coleman combined in some ways. When you look at his game, especially a lot of people on Twitter, they say, oh, well, he's just a burner. He doesn't do anything else. Everything I'm hearing and seeing, he does a lot more than just run go routes. Yeah, that couldn't be more incorrect at all. Uh, I think John Ross is a complete and dynamic receiver. His only flaw is that he's not large, and he he doesn't attack the ball. He doesn't have big hands, so he's not jumping up and getting over guys. He rarely needs to, uh, and then he'll do it sometimes. But he's a body catcher, but he's super athletic, super agile. Think of, like, Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown in their cuts and in their feet and how quick they are and how quickly they can get open. He's not just a deep threat. Watch him break Adoree Jackson's uh, ankles and go deep. And yeah, it's a deep ball, but he kills them off the line of scrimmage. Uh, watch him on slants at the goal line and just destroy corners and make them back up two or three yards just because they can't catch their balance. Uh, his route running and his feet be as good as anybody his ball skills, his ball tracking, especially, uh, that's the Deshaun Jackson. That's Will Fuller even, but he's got much better hands than Will Fuller. Uh, Fuller had issues tracking it, especially if he had to, to face the ball. Uh, and, and that's why I think he compared to his Fuller, but on an, like, an extreme level, he's much better than that. I do think he can be everything Deshaun Jackson is with a little bit more subtlety in his routes and a little bit crisp, a little more acceleration in and out of breaks. Uh, I think Ross could be Ola Beckham without the highlight catches if that makes sense everything outside of that which is still an extremely good player uh, if, uh yeah it, he would fit he would stretch the defense and you know what? i think he helps the running game a lot and i think he helps the offensive line a lot if you put him out there upside of green not only is it going to take that safety a little bit away from green defenses are going to have to go to a cover two shell uh and they're going to back up and the Bengals are going to run against seven in the box all game and let me tell you what that does if you don't remember the Carson Palmer offenses if you're still a newer fan when Chris Henry was on the outside and, and TJ I mean and TJ <laughs> in the slot and uh, Chad Johnson on the outside those safeties had to move back so bad and you know they sit in a cover two shell and the Bengals really didn't have a tight end to beat them over the middle the Bengals have that tight end now uh, the running game with Rudy Johnson at that time it was nothing special but they got four or five yards every carry you could do that again it could be to that point where your offense is that crazy and I think they're still targeting a running back in the second or third round as that with Ross and I do agree this offense could be as good as it's been under Marvin Lewis. Joe we're just two days away from the draft and in that report got me really excited but naturally there, there are other players on the Bengals board one I believe would be Derek Barnett OJ Howard's been mentioned uh, some other players as well uh, Harris the kid from Missouri w- what are you how do you think your just knowing the Bengals, knowing how how they operate, what their board probably will look like in the expectations of of who will be there at nine when they're on the clock? Yeah, and let's take Miles Garrett off. Let's say he's the, if he's not the first pick, he's the second. Sure. Even if the Browns make a terrible decision, <laughs> uh, I think Tom. I think yeah, I think Solomon Thomas, the defensive lineman, defensive end out of Stanford probably ranks number one even if he's not their highest graded player i think taking a defensive end is what they want and i think if he was there at nine which it sounds like in recent reports recent rumors say that we may have overrated him slightly and that it's more likely he goes between like eight and 16 than it was top four top five the way we originally thought 
If that's the case, there is a few scenarios where Solomon Thomas is still there at nine, and I would do cartwheels all the way from here to Cincinnati if they pick him. I would be ec- ecstatic. I think he's a perfect <laughs> fit. I think he has high upside with instant impact. Uh, after that, I think it might be Leonard Fournette. Uh, now, uh, we've talked about how that's not very exciting because of the fits, because he's not very dynamic, because you may have to change your entire offense to fit him. But if you're ranking him that high, and I think the Bengals probably do, it's because they believe he's special if they change their offense to fit him. And I believe they would. Uh, who's more, uh, who would be more of an impactful player? Who has a better chance of being an elite player uh, by surrounding or creating your offense for Andy Dalton or creating your offense around Leonard Fournette? Sure, it may affect a couple catches for Green, but in the end, that play action to Green is still going to be there. I think Fournette would be very good in a power run team from under center following a fullback. You could get an Ezekiel Elliott-type production but I don't think we have the same offensive line. The Bengals obviously lost their two best linemen. I think that would be the hardest pill to swallow with taking Leonard Fournette, but I do think he's high on their board. And uh, if it's not the Jaguars at four, I'm not sure who takes them. Maybe the Jets, maybe the, the Panthers. I do think the Panthers really like Christian McCaffrey. So I think there's a scenario where he could be there for the Bengals. After that, I think three guys, O.J. Howard, John Ross, Derek Barnett. I'm not sure which one's higher. If they really feel that way about John Ross, that they believe their offense could be unstoppable, I want to say he might be next. The reports and rumors are that Marvin Lewis loves O.J. Howard. The Senior Bowl really sold him on it, which he did have a great Senior Bowl. Uh, That could be the pick, too. I don't know who they rank next out of those. And I think if those, if it comes down to it and they really want a defensive end, Barnett seems like the obvious choice because of the production, because he's 20 years old. Uh, you can see him as an upside kind of guy, even though he doesn't have that athletic profile. And I do wonder where Charles Harris is in this, because Harris has the best tape as a right defensive end edge rusher probably in this draft, but he didn't measure well. His combine was bad. Uh, even though you watch the drills at the combine, he stood out athletically. So it was kind of interesting. His profile says he's probably going to be a substandard right defensive end that in college he wasn't good against the run either. So it's kind of interesting to wonder what he'll be because the eyes and the tape say he's a good right end. And even though his numbers aren't good, he's kind of a uh, a guy that explains off the ball and beat you back inside. His spin move inside is killer. His swim move back inside is killer. Uh, he could help the Bengals. I just don't know if he's an option at nine or an option if they're keeping their their the landscape open to a trade back if they end up at 12, 13, 14, and Charles Harris is still there. But there, it's been said that multiple teams have a top 15 grade on Harris. So it could have been someone we've been overlooking during this process, but I don't think he's too far off their top guys. But I do think Thomas Fournette, Howard Ross, and Barnett are probably up there as their, their possible targets. And I don't see a scenario where they can't get one of those top four. Joe, with those... Can you rank them for us who you would want to see um, the Bengals pick in order? Uh, Obviously, not all five are going to be there. They're not going to have their pick. The board might decide it for them. But if you had a preference, just in order of those guys. Obviously, I I know Thomas is one. (laughs) Yeah, Solomon Thomas is number one. I think he is very good. I think he fits perfectly playing base defensive end where he's really good against the run on the edge, kicking inside and nickel. Uh, he's, he's a guy that can take most of Michael Johnson's snaps at right defensive end and take that 
Gilberry role as the nickel defensive tackle defensive end. Uh, he, he could be in line for 800 snaps as a rookie, and I think he'd have an instant impact. Thomas is number one. I've said I'd, I'd like to trade up to Thomas if he gets to six or seven. Uh, that's how big of an impact I, I think he could have with this team. After that, I'd probably go John Ross. And this is saying that Corey Davis isn't an option only because he probably has an incomplete grade. Uh, and that's a big thing in the draft process. If Davis ends up going between like 16 and 32, it's because a lot of teams have an incomplete grade. That's like we said earlier with Ross, you have to have that final decision from medical staff. You got to have a final grade on these guys. Uh, if they're not able to work out, if they're not able to pass a, a physical right now, they go on a, a sub board, almost a board off to the side. It's for medical players. Uh, and I think that's where Corey Davis is right now. So he's probably not an option. Next guy for me for receiver, best receiver is John Ross. I do think he would help this offense tremendously. I do think he's electric. I think uh, he can be a dynamic player and really opposite of AJ Green for the next four years, five years, how long we have green for uh, I couldn't pick a better player to go outside of him to be honest with you so after that if Thomas is one Ross is two I probably go OJ Howard number three even though I don't love OJ Howard I love getting a tight end in the top 10 and a in a crazy deep tight end class and while I like insurance for Eifert in case he misses games and I, everyone expects it at this point I don't like the the excuse to let Eifert walk and of Howard Thomas. I think they, I mean, OJ Howard, I'm sorry. I think they work well together, but I don't think Howard will ever be the type of receiver Eifert is. Even if he's more athletic, I don't think he's his natural receiver. I don't think he runs as good routes. I don't think he has the hands. I don't think he has the body control. He can't high point it the way that Eifert does. Uh, and I don't like losing that that aspect of the tight end position. I think what Eifert brings makes this offense dynamic, and I think we saw it in a few games he was active. So while I don't love Howard, I do think them two together, if that's the long-term plan, sounds really fun, and I would take him over Fournette. But I put Fournette number four out of these five guys because uh, I do think there is a chance Fournette could be really, really good and make him special in the right offense. Taking him, uh, it pretty much concedes that you're going to change your offense to fit him. And then I'm going to put Derek Nick Barnett five. Mm. And it's not that his tape is bad. It's not that he's a bad prospect. It's that the history is against a guy with his athletic profile being anything more than a five, six, seven sack a year guy. Uh, someone I, I respect a lot, uh, writes for Football Outsiders, said he reminds him of Derek Morgan and, and probably have a Derek Morgan type, uh, type of career. And if you look at Morgan, I think he had three and a half sacks, four and a half sacks, five, six, 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 uh, and then nine the final year. And he's gotten an extension and he's been a solid player. He gets a handful of pressures, does, only gets, a, you know, six to seven sacks a year. And that's at his peak. And if that's what you want at the ninth pick, fine. But I, I, for me, I want better than that. I want more than that. I want a guy in the top 10 in a great defensive end class. I don't want to take the next best of the second tier. I want Solomon Thomas or Miles Garrett, or I want to wait to 41 and see what's left there because I think there will be a few guys and a few options that have a better upside or a better potential, a better lottery ticket than Derek Barnett at nine. He's Joe Goodbear. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodbear. You're listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe, I think one thing is is interesting, and I, I appeared on Locked on Colts last week, and they did a mock draft. And one player that fell, and I've been seeing him fall in mocks and just different things I've read because of medicals, is Malik Hooker, the, the former Ohio State safety. And everything I've read, and, and I've watched some of them, and it seems like he has – amazing range. I, I've watched him from what he goes from one side of the field to the other, and he's making a play on the ball. 
Uh, it, it reminded me, and I don't watch the tape like you do, but I know Tyron Matthew had that quality where he was just a playmaker, always found himself around the ball. And, and Malik Hooker, to me, is that type of guy. If he falls, and I actually think looking at it, there's a chance he does. If he falls to nine, I think it would be semi-unexpected. Would you, if you're the Bengals, at least entertain the idea of drafting, I know he's a safety, but taking Malik Hooker? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on Hooker being a special talent in terms of ball skills, range, anticipation, reads. Uh, people want to say that he reminds me of Ed Reed, and a, a lot of fans will dismiss that instantly because how do you compare somebody to a Hall of Famer? The comparison is because it's very, very rare to have a free safety with that range and ball skills. I, for me, I'm thinking Ed Reed, uh, Earl Thomas, and then Mully Cooker. To be honest with you, that's the kind of category you want to put him in Ooh. because it's that it's that exceptional. Yeah. If he's not Ed Reed, you think maybe he can be Earl Thomas at the very least. Yeah. Thomas had issues missing tackles. He wasn't the biggest guy, and he had injury issues at Texas too. But he's been fantastic, and he's probably more key to that Seahawks defense than Richard Sherman is. And I Agreed. think the Seahawks even even believe that. So getting a guy like Hooker changes what you can do as a defense. But I think we're underselling a little bit. How good Iloka and Sean Williams, maybe they're not consistently up there. Maybe they're not elite safeties, but I think they're pretty good safeties. And look around the NFL, safeties are bad. Most teams don't even have one. If you have two decent ones that are 25, 26 years old, and I even like Deron Smith as a backup, teams are jealous of what the Bengals have. And they're under contract for cheap, both of them. I think if you take Hooker, it would be a surprise because of that. Because what do you do with with the third guy at that point? I know what I would do. I'd move either Iloka or Sean Williams. I'd say, hey guys, we're going to start splitting. Well, you guys, one of you guys are going to come down into the box, and uh, and you're going to play some nickel linebacker. And at that spot, we're going to kill two birds with one stone by getting more athletic and getting better in coverage at linebacker at that spot. And that sounds great. But I do think Hooker could slide a little bit. While his talent and his rare abilities put him as a top ten prospect, I think having an incomplete grade from some teams because he. He was injured, and I don't know if he's been able to work out for everyone and do full drills, and he wasn't able to participate at the Combine. Uh, and in one year of production, while it was a great year, uh, that'll scare some teams off. While I do think he could go maybe seven to the to the Chargers, I, I think it's just as likely he drops to 14 or so and maybe goes to the Eagles or or maybe even the Ravens. That would suck if, oh, they, if he gets in the Come on, range. Joe! Right. <laughs> yeah, they go to Corey Davis or, or Malik Cooker. Yeah. That's their choice. While well, we're over here with Dar- Derek Barnett and O.J. Howard. But, yeah, God, they win, and they but, draft in seven <laughs> spots later. <laughs> right, that's what I mean. The, the, that second tier in this class is is really good there. When you, Maybe from 8 to 32, you're probably – maybe even 8 to 40. You're getting a similar – prospect so i think hooker could drop a little bit because of having the incomplete grade the same way Corey davis will while we love both of them uh it's hard to put a first round pick on those guys and i still think both of them end up in the top 20 but i wouldn't be surprised if they dropped a little if the Bengals did agree to do that and i think that the name that would come to mind would be moving sean williams to a nickel linebacker spot is hooker's talent worth that because you're saying earl thomas or ed reed and to me this is just the way i look at the nine pick i don't care what position it is if you're talking about a guy with that kind of potential that's who i want want them to get so if you're if you're talking hooker or barnett i lean hooker right away if if you're talking harris or hooker you know what i'm saying so yeah i I want a special player at nine i don't care what position he plays and you may say right you may say is howard special 
I'm not sure. He tested like a special player, so maybe he's in that category. Is Fournette special? I'm not sure. But the team may think he is, and I think a lot, a lot of teams that are willing to change their scheme for him think he is. Uh, is Solomon Thomas special? Again, I think a lot of teams think he is. I believe he is. Is John Ross special? I think he can be for sure, and I think he probably is in college, too. I, there's a good chance he ends up as a special guy. So if, there, if any of those guys are options, then I lean to those guys if over Hooker because if it's a position of need mm-hmm. and a guy that's been healthy, I know not maybe Ross withstanding, but he did get a clean bill of health. We don't know what Hooker got from the bank. But if it's over, if it's the choice of Barnett, if it's the choice of right Charles Harris, maybe you know it's the next safety or the next or Ruben Foster if he's still in discussion. Maybe it's Jonathan Allen from Alabama. I'm taking Hooker over him too, uh, just because I want a special player at that pick, and I'll figure it out later. Yeah, I, I took in that mock that I mentioned. I took John Ross over Hooker, and after I did so, I got off the the interview. And I was like, man, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> and I've been hitting the wide receivers hard, but I just, I'm like, oh, if Hooker's that good, I can't believe. And I know it's just a silly mock, but in my mind, I'm like, man, he could be there. The Bengals play a lot of cover one with their free safety playing cover one or cover three. Similar, it just depends if your outside corners are playing zone or if you're if it's just your safety. They play a lot of that because they let Iloka roam that center field, and he does a good job. I know he doesn't look like a free safety typically because he's mm-hmm. 225 pounds and six foot four, but he has pretty good range. Uh, that's the only thing I think it's upgrading from a B to an A A plus type of guy at that spot could be a big difference, but. Upgrading at a lot of other positions, whether that be Ross at wide receiver, going from a guy like LaFell, who defenses were laughing at LaFell and Boyd, put on the tape from the first six weeks. They were. You're they right. They didn't care about those guys. They, they were putting the safeties over Green and saying, beat us. And he did a lot. Green did. Uh, but you put Ross on that team, that's from going, that's going up from a C, C plus maybe LaFell to a guy that could potentially be a B plus, A minus type guy, a special, or at least you know, he brings an elite trait to the team with Ross, and I know Hooker would too. But this is a bigger of a of a gap, a bigger uh, improvement. So I don't think you should feel bad. I was on a 49ers lockdown podcast doing their mock uh, a few weeks ago, and I took John Ross also. Did you and really? I, I meant to check with you on who you picked. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I took John Ross. I want to get better on offense. I want to watch touchdowns. I want to score, and I want to have fun. And he does. He helps that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I I look at this draft. And we've talked about it a ton, and I think ultimately the depth at defensive end, the guy you're going to get, maybe not even at 41, let's say it's 73, or let's say, and I know you've kicked around on Twitter, that the Bengals could trade up in in round three, trade up a bit to get their guy, whether it's in late it's round two. It's just the perfect time. Yeah, exactly. So, so what's the difference between a Derek Barnett and a guy that they could get let's say with the 60th pick, maybe the 73rd pick, because to me, if you do John Ross in round one, even O.J. Howard in round one, and then you get a running back in round two, whether it's Kamara or it's Mixon or one of those guys there, even Dalvin Cook has been kicked around. I think this offense is going to to take a step, a big step forward, and I, I think there'll be a defensive end there that's comparable, maybe not as good of a prospect, but comparable to what you're getting at nine anyway. Yeah, I've got a bunch of defensive ends written down right now. And let's say it's like Solomon Thomas goes first round, Taco Charlton, T.J. Watt, uh, Derek Barnett, and Charles Harris. The guys I think 
probably going the first round. Second round could be there at 41, especially if we see a run at quarterbacks and see a run of guys that fell out of the first round, guys like Foster, guys like Cook, maybe Corey Davis, let's say. Uh, I think in, you start looking at defensive ends like Tack McKinley out of UCLA. Wow, that's a decent prospect. That yeah. A guy that uh, he, he may be a little bit raw, but, man, he's athletic on tape, and he runs his ass off. He tackles. He's good against the run. He chases guys down. Uh, you got Carl Lawson out of Auburn. There's an SEC school. Guys play left and right end. Had a lot of production, even though he never really reached his potential. I think other second-round guys are probably Demarcus Walker out of Florida State. He may go in the third round because he's, he's seen as a defensive tackle that is in nickel and maybe not a full-time edge rusher. Uh, but I think Jordan Willis from Kansas State tested athletically. Tape wasn't there. He's kind of got that Marcus Hunt where the athleticism oh, don't was say that. crazy. Oh. Well, only because he beats guys because he is athletic, but you watch him and he's stiff and he's, he's powerful, but he really doesn't know what he's doing at the same time. So I would stray away from it, but I know a lot of people like him, but a lot of people liked Hunt too at the time. I think Terrell Basham out of Ohio is the second rounder. I think maybe Derek Rivers is the second rounder and small school guys tend to go late second, maybe third, but that's when I say a trade up is possible. If a guy like Rivers is still there, third round guys, I like Dwayne Smoot out of Illinois, uh, Chris Warmly out of Michigan, more of a defensive tackle guy you can kick inside, which I think they need both of these types anyways. That's why I'm down for double dipping. Uh, Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M, there's a 6'6", 255 guy, or 6'5", 255 guy, played opposite of Miles Garrett. He fits. He looks like what they normally uh, draft at defensive end. If they're still in that mold, Deshaun Hall makes perfect sense in the third round. Uh, and the other guy is Trey Hendrickson out of Florida Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Super productive, athletic, smaller, but at the same time, a high energy, very efficient pass rusher. I think there's some upside with him. He tested athletically. He's a force player if you're on Twitter following that. He, there's very few of these guys, and he's one of them. That means he has like a 12, 12 times chance of being a more productive player than guys who is non-force player. And there's only a few of those guys in this draft. So if he's there in the third round, I'd love to take a stab at Trey Hendrickson. I just think the difference isn't large from a Derek Barnett or a Charles Harris to the second round where you're looking at Tack McKinley and maybe Carl Lawson to the third round where it's Terrell Basham or maybe it's Deshaun Hall and Trey Hendrickson. And then let me flip it and ask this. What's the difference? What's the drop-off between, and let's take Corey Davis out of it. It doesn't feel like the Bengals are interested in Corey Davis, especially at at number nine. What's the drop-off between John Ross and wide receivers that could be there at 41, even though it doesn't really feel like the Bengals want a wide receiver at 41, to the third round at 73 and the wide receivers the Bengals could potentially be looking at in that third round if they did pass on a wide receiver in the first couple. And I don't think they want one at 41 because it doesn't match up. It just mm-hmm. doesn't line up. If Corey Davis is still there, I, I could see them wanting a, four, a receiver at 41. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah absolutely. There's, there's, right. There seems to be a gap right there uh, from those top three guys to the next tier of whether or not that's Chris Godwin, maybe that's Juju Smith-Schuster, which I think is a slot guy, so I don't want him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Godwin's kind of kind of weird because he looks like Sanu on tape. He They use him in the slot a lot. They use him underneath. He's, he's, he's strong. He's got good hands. Uh, and then he gets deep. He beats a guy on a route and gets deep, much like Marvin Jones, attacks the ball and makes a crazy catch. And I, I said on Twitter, I said he's kind of a mix of both of them, to be honest with you. He looks like he's, he brings all of those qualities. If he's there at 41, 
I think you can end up with a good player. I just think Ross is special. Ross has that speed that is going to make him different. I think a lot of number two and a lot of number three receivers are in this draft. I think probably only Davis Ross could be number one type guys. But then you get to the third round, and whether that's Chad Hansen from Cal or Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M, uh, those are outside deep guys without 4-3 speed, but they're going to win because of their size and ball skills. And then I think you've got guys like Carlos Henderson of Louisiana Tech, who I love. Great after the catch, about as good as you can be after the catch, but he's a little bit shorter, a 5'11", 190 type guy, more of an Antonio Brown type where he can play outside, but you're going to want to move him around and create advantages also because I don't think he's just went in with straight up route running and size. Even though he was very good in contested situations, I think maybe even graded out as the best uh, college football receiver in contested situations. Great after the catch. Can kick return also. Uh, he would be a target of mine in the third round I, with Josh Reynolds and, and Hanson and maybe Taewon Taylor out of Western uh, Kentucky also. I think he might be a slot guy. Same with Henderson. Uh, so that kind of that kind of changes it but I think he's more like Tyler Lockett he has the ability to get deep so you can put him on the outside a little bit I just think it gets a little murkier as you get into the second and third round there's guys I like uh I just don't know if they're going late second if be there in the third or if I'm overvaluing them a little bit and they're there in the fourth round yeah it's to me Joe it feels like there's a clear at least in your mind and you've watched all these players there's a clear drop off from the wide receivers and you're way more comfortable with getting better value getting someone whether it's at 73 or 41, getting a defensive end that is probably at least projects to be as good of a player or around the same type of player as Derek Barnett, who the Bengals could be targeting at nine. The class is super deep at defensive end and tight end. That's what makes me not want a defensive end unless it's Thomas. Yeah. doesn't want make me want Howard either at nine because the, you can end up with a guy in the third round. If it's Bucky Hodges out of Virginia Tech, Evan Ingram in the second round maybe, uh, uh, they can end up being better players than 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 O.J. Howard. Don't, don't say that two. because that's shades of Jermaine Gresham. Don't do that. Exactly. And, exactly. and then you got yeah. Travis Kelsey, Kelsey, Jordan Reed, and Rob Gronkowski, and it's like, uh, maybe you should have taken one in the third round. Yeah. That's this kind of draft. Uh, that's why I'm not comfortable taking Howard. I understand why he's appealing. But there's so many other guys. If you want a tight end, uh, let's wait a little bit, and let's take one when they're the best player available in the third or fourth round. Joe, did you watch Adam Shaheen at all? I did. He, he's and like the limited tape we do. Yeah. He, he's like a draft I Twitter. You say so you like him because he's a draft Twitter. A lot of people have a crush on him, but I, I haven't seen a lot of him. He's like 6'7", 270, <laughs> and he's hauling ass. And he's running, yeah, he's running away from these guys that should be slower than him in a, in a, in a small school. I mean, Division Two, I think it is. Uh, and he's running from these guys, and he's bowling over these guys. And he looks like Rob Gronkowski, but he should against these the, the, against lower competition. But he tested like uh, like, a, like an 80th percentile athlete, so he's a really good athlete. If he's going in the fourth, fifth, and he might even go in the third maybe, I'd like to take a stab at, at a guy like that. Yeah, and that's the thing is is people forget that they have eleven picks. So I, I look at this draft, and if you're telling me it's a deep defensive end class, and you're telling me there's going to be quality defensive ends in maybe round three, which means someone might fall to round four, you might be able to double up. Who? No one's saying you can't take multiple guys, and why not get an elite talent at nine, especially if it's at a point of need like wide receiver or running back if they, they view it that way, when you know you can get a defensive end, address that pass rush later in the draft with one of those 11 picks or two of them. 
Yeah, I think you double dip at defensive end for sure. Even if you take Solomon Thomas at nine, I come back in the third round and Trey Hendrickson's still there and Deshaun Hall's still there, a, a real edge type guy, or Derek Rivers, I take him because I think you complete your defensive line totally and you make it more athletic, you make it more versatile, uh, you get more explosive and you increase your pass rush instantly. So I'm not against that at all, uh, double dipping at a, at a couple spots. I think you take two offensive linemen somewhere, even if they're both day three picks. Uh, I think it could be a gear you double dip at running back. Even if you take one at 41, let's see what's there in the sixth, seventh round. People like this running back class a lot, mm-hmm. especially when you start talking about day three guys. Uh, the Bengals have double dipped before at running back with Gio Bernard and Rex Burkett. I could see that scenario again where they're, they're taking two guys and, and going into the year with not knowing uh, Gio's health and with Cedric Pierman being on a year-to-year type deal, maybe that maybe that second pick at running back is more of a special teams type guy, depending on who they who they take. Uh, I still think 41 is the pick for for running back, but if it's not, I would love Kareem Hunt at Toledo in the third round. I would love Samaj P. Ryan out of Oklahoma. I I just recently graded Kareem Hunt. I watched him before, but I didn't get a chance to grade him, and I think he grades out as my number four running back wow. in the class. I think he's fantastic, except for long speed is the only thing he really doesn't have. Uh, he's elusive. He's strong. He's got super balance, uh, great vision. Uh, they started using him more in the passing game this last year and a half, and he, he ended up being a really good blocker, a really, really good receiver. He's like watching Marshawn Lynch in a you know a poor man's Marshawn Lynch, which you would take in the third, fourth round if that's where he's going. Sure. I think that'd be an awesome fit. Running out of shotgun, running zone and inside zone, running power, running goal line stuff, everything that would be a perfect fit where the Bengals don't have to change your offense. Uh, I think he'd be a dynamite pick. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be on board with doubling up at any of those positions, including running back, because you don't know what's going to happen with Gio. I hear rehab's going well. Saw him today. He looked like he was walking well. But you never know what's going to happen in that rehab process, and, and we know what Jeremy Hill is. Uh, Joe, one more for you. It, double dipping on wide receiver. Let's say they, they took John Ross at nine, and I know that the depth chart at wide receiver is pretty stacked. They they have a bunch of young guys there, the Boyds and the Coors and all of those guys, the Ericsons of the world. But let's say a Josh Reynolds fell to the, your, your fourth round. Is that something you would consider to get a guy with size that can be a downfield threat? And you also have Ross, who, who could be that guy that, that could – Take a slant to the house. Yeah, they've got, like you said, they've got 11 picks. You have a few burners that you say it might be in the fourth round, maybe in the third round, maybe a couple in the fifth where you say, yeah, I don't need another receiver. I don't need a quarterback maybe. I don't need another safety. I don't need a linebacker, which I, they probably do at this point <laughs> at the depth. But you, I'm just saying, you yeah. get there and you say, yeah, let's burn a couple picks. Let's take Josh Reynolds because you know what? He kind of looks like A.J. Green. Imagine letting him play behind Green and mirroring him, mimicking his steps and his routes, uh, learning from him while you use Ross, while you start rotating. They need a rotation at receiver. It's one of the issues they had, that they didn't play the other guys in the backups enough, and they didn't find a way. Watch the Falcons' offense in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Watch them rotate everyone except for Julio. I want that. If you're saying Ross is your deep electric guy, guy that can do some uh, do some yard depth to the catch stuff, do some reverses, some screens, and take him to the house, Reynolds he gives you size, he gives you a vertical game, he gives you red zone threat. So 
there could be a point where you say, you know, Boyd's just not dynamic enough, and we could put Ross in the slot and get even better at receiver, and Reynolds is on the outside with Green. There's some packages you could do that, too. I'm not saying bench Boyd full-time. I'm saying let's rotate and let's get the best guys out there that can help you. I'm not against that at all. Let's burn a couple picks on BPA. There's some needs and targets you should have in the draft, but always be open to that BPA, the best player available, and they have the picks to burn and do it. He's Joe Goodberry. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Any final thoughts uh, before, heck, we're not going to talk again, Joe, until after they make their first round pick. So anything else you want to leave our listeners with? I love you guys. I'm so nervous, but I'm so excited at the same time. I hope they don't mess us up. (laughs) And with that, uh, Joe, man, I always uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Take care, James. That's Joe Goodberry. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, a must Twitter follow during this draft time. You're going to hear from Dave Lapham this week, and we're going to have a a ton more as far as draft goes. Email me, jamesrpeen at espn1530.com on Twitter, at jamesrpeen, at LockedOnBengals, and subscribe, iTunes, and audioboom.com. There's so much more to get to, but we tried to, I tried to cover it all there. I tried to cover it all, and we've talked to Joe about offensive line. He he thinks they're going to draft a couple for those wondering about the offensive line. I'm see. I'll, I'll tell you guys a secret that's not really a secret. I want John Ross. I'm hoping for John Ross because if they pick John Ross, then th- that offensive line's not going to have to block as long because John Ross and AJ Green are going to get open quick, early. That means Dalton's not going to get hit as much because they only have to hold the ball for a second and a half. I appreciate you guys for joining me. Tomorrow we'll continue to talk draft. The draft is two days away. And uh, until then, I'm James Rapine, and this is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.